Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lost Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. It's our first show of 2021. We're going to catch you up on all the silly season news couple of rumors we've been hearing and we'll discuss something a little fun later later in the show so stay tuned for that a little bit we'll uh i wanted to discuss the what the spec engine has done to the truck series is it a positive and can we see it in xfinity or or cup and would that be a good thing we'll discuss all that of course front row motorsports announced their plans a couple of weeks ago we'll dive into that anthony alfredo gonna run for rookie of the year in a 38 car and david reagan's gonna run the daytona 500 for that organization NY Racing planned a full ske- is planning a full schedule, according to Chris Knight. We'll discuss that. Ryan Sieg going to Ford, officially announced. What does that mean for him, and what does it mean for Ford? Plus, uh, any other thing you want to talk about here tonight on Talking Circles, 919, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, the number to call is 917-889-8280. New year here. It's been a little while since we've done a show, so forgot the number, even though I've been doing this for a long time here now, but... Uh, let's get right to it, guys. We are 28 days away from the Bush Clash. Uh, this time here in four weeks, we know who the Super Bowl champion is, and we'll be getting ready for the Bush Clash on the road course at Daytona. It's come up that quickly. Uh, we got some great football coming up if you're into that. And then, of course, right into the speed, what we call speed weeks, really condensed speed weeks here, 29 days so we qualify for the Daytona 500, 30 days until the 150s at Daytona International Speedway, the qualifying races, uh, 31 until the trucks, 32 and 33 until the Daytona 500. So, you know, still about four weeks away until things really ramp up in Daytona. But let's discuss some plans. Teams have been announcing things. We're going to try and catch up on a major stuff uh, as well as a little stuff here, but we'll discuss the major stuff. Let's start with Front Row Motorsports, which was really the only team that was competitive last year that had an opening going into January. Uh, we heard rumblings before the new year that Anthony Alfredo was going to go to the 38 car. It is official now. Anthony Alfredo is going to run for Rookie of the Year. Young kid has run uh, a handful of truck races, ran a handful of Xfinity Series races as well. A raw talent. Uh, I'll start with you, Philip. What were your thoughts when you heard that Anthony Alfredo was going to number 38 Ford for the 2021 season? Well, initially surprised, uh, but... Uh, Clayton, but I, and when you think about it and you look at what Front Row Motorsports has generally been uh, as an organization, I know your your boy uh, drives for them and has driven for them for a long time. They either take journeyman type drivers at the back end of their career or they take on raw rookies or young guys, and they usually only really give those young guys about a year. Uh, and then they decide to either leave or they move or they, they move on with somebody else. They'd probably go with another veteran guy. Um, once Myatt Snyder got announced as the full-time driver for RCR, 
that took away probably a good opportunity for Alfredo. That was a championship level ride. I mean, it's not the same as what Tyler Reddick had a couple of years ago, but they were up front. He was running up front in there when he drove his limited races. Um, so next best thing, you're out on your, you have the cash to bring to the table, which for Bob Jenkins has always been a smaller organization. Um, re- reducing their teams from three to two was a much better situation. John Hunter Nemechek early in the year had did pretty well and was really competing with those other bigger name rookies that he's been driving with for many years. And then as the season went on, I think the wear and tear kind of caught up with him. Anthony Alfredo comes in, low expectation. Everyone believes and figures Chase Briscoe is going to win the Rookie of the Year going away. So they're like, well, if he goes out there and runs clean, does his thing, you know, can get top 20s here and there, uh, keep, keep his nose clean, it's a good year. And who knows what can come from that. Um, it's good to have an actual rookie battle. It's when there's only one person going for rookie of the year. It's happened before, you know, Johnny Benson Jr. And it's happened more recently, I think, with Andy Lally and Stephen Light. Or there, there's some examples, but uh, at least there will be a rookie battle. And I think it'll be somewhat compelling because Anthony Alfredo is raw. And uh, so is Chase in a lot of ways with the amount of experience they have. Um, either on pavement in Chase's case or in on in bigger cars for Anthony Alfredo. So um, uh, credit to Bob Jenkins for actually taking a shot with another young guy. Um, they probably could have replaced both drivers. They'd probably been better off, but they figured Michael McDowell was worth keeping, and he didn't have a bad year last year. So um, we'll see what happens with Fast Pasta, uh, he's, and uh, he won't be installing. Uh, uh, sim units this year, I guess it'll be a little busy. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it goes. He's got 19 starts in Xfinity, uh, 13 starts the year before in the Truck Series, and three ARCA starts. He also ran a, a full season in the K&N East uh, back in 2018. He won a race there as well. Um, how about from the Anthony Alfredo perspective, uh, Spencer Cowan? I mean, a lot of people sort of looked at it and said, Why? You got a young kid who did pretty well. I mean, he didn't do great, no question, but he was learning in RCR Xfinity Series equipment. And a lot of people thought, well, run a part-time deal for Richard Childress Racing again. This way you can at least go out and, and win races, learn and good stuff. But instead you're going to front row motorsports where a lot of people look at it and say, if you finish in the top 20, that's a good day. Why, what do you think is the benefits, uh, Spencer, from the Anthony Alfredo perspective from this and why – uh, he would take this this number 38 forward, in your opinion. That's your dream. I mean, if you're a race car driver, you know, that's your dream to go cup racing. And, you know, I feel like he did a pretty good job in the RCR stuff last year with iRacing coming on board. Um, and, you know, like Phillip says, he does – I don't know if he works for iRacing and does their sims, but he does insert sims um, in people's houses. So, so he's really involved with iRacing and – you know, we can see that that stuff can really make you a good driver. You know, he's, he, uh, you know, he mentioned he's got his feet wet. He ran enough races. Um, you know, it's not like he skipped the truck, the Xfinity series, like Zane Smith did, um, or he skipped the trucks and went to Xfinity for Marca. 
you know, he does have, you know, Xfinity races under his belt, and I feel like he did a good job when he was in that car and proved that, you know, if he's in decent equipment, he can run well. Uh, and that's just something you're not going to turn down. If somebody calls you and they're like, hey, let's go cup race in 2021, how can you say no to that? Um, for, it's not like Front Row's an awful race team. It's not like he's going to run back there with Rick Ware Racing. Um, they're solid. Now, if he would have got a call from Rick Ware Racing, um, he might have could have denied it and said, no, I, I want to see what the Xfinity stuff does for me and see if I can get another ride over there and win races. Um, but Front Row's a solid team. Uh, you know, he could have looked and saw how John Hunter ran in that car last year. John Hunter ran, you know, he had some solid races. Um, but that's just, you know, that's just something you're not going to turn down. I don't feel like. I know if I was a race car driver, and um, that's not what I'm going to turn down, you know. He might not be uh, ready for it. Um, I know, I know he's not ready for it. You know, you, you know, you'd like to see a guy run, I don't know, at least two years. Um, and we've seen a lot of guys run more than two years in the Xfinity series and then finally get called up. But the time's right. Front row needed the driver and they felt like he was the man for the job and he's young, he's talented. He's, uh, he's going to get everything out of the race car. And I feel like he's a guy that is not going to tear up a lot of stuff. He, you know, you know, he can go out there and win on the plate tracks. He can, you know, do good on the short tracks. And it just, I feel like if I was Anthony Alfredo and the call came or clean, I don't know, you, it's just something you can't turn down. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the money is extremely, um, it's a lot more paid too. So that's, you know, that's also a, a factor that goes into it. He can support a family if he has a girlfriend or whatever his family situation is. Um, you know, it's, he can have a better life. And, you know, he gets his feet wet in the Cup Series and can open up a better opportunity. Yeah, and I think what something that is really with any job, if you're in a in a job, even, you know, doing a 9-to-5 job like I'm in, uh, and you look at it and you say try and get a promotion, one of the key things of moving up in a company or obviously you have to do good work and you have to be talented, but one of the major factors a lot of people miss is timing. Whether somebody retires or somebody moves, that opens up a spot. And I think Anthony Alfredo was very beneficial here from getting this 38 car by timing. Um, I heard Jerry Freeze, who's the general manager over at Front Row Motorsports on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, uh, shortly after it was announced that John Hunter Nemechek was leaving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and he did not sound like it happened you know, a while back. It sounded like it happened right around the end of the season – that John Hunter said, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going I'm going to be leaving going to Cobbush Motorsports next season. So they had some stuff planned uh, with John Hunter for 2021. And I think what that did was ultimately there was a lot of drivers. Ty Dillon might be one of these drivers. Core the Joy might be in that. Uh, and a few other names that you want to throw out there who had their deals figured out for 2021. And it left Front Row Motorsports with, I don't want to say slim because that's not the right uh, word to use, but it left them with a a different group of names that they would normally hire than what they would have if if John Hunter said in August or you know July or August, hey, I'm not going to be back next year. Uh, it just put them in a different group of drivers, and that's from Front Row Motorsports. I think a lot of people looking at Anthony Alfredo going, why would Front Row go that way with a young kid who's very raw? He's he's I think Ford had something to do with it. I think they wanted to keep a younger driver. And he was really the best that was left. Philip touched on Myatt Snyder, who's going to be running a full-time deal in the Xfinity Series for Richard Childers Racing 
in 2021, he probably had that figured out already by the time Front Row Motorsports opened that up. That up. Not saying he would have taken that either way, but even if he considered it, it, he wouldn't have considered it because he had everything worked out, or at least close to being worked out, when before John Hunter Nemechek even left that car. So I think that was a huge factor in this. Um, as far as you know, what Anthony Alfredo gets, I think one of the most biggest things you get is and we touched on it, and I know Philip did, and I know Spencer did, is his raw, just how raw he is. You get seat time, and that is so invaluable. You can't even put a word. You can't even. That's so valuable. You can't even put uh, a, a price on it on how valuable seat time is, and it's so underrated, especially nowadays, because you know. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when testing was prevalent, these guys used to test. That's how a lot of drivers, young drivers, used to get their feet wet, was they used to test cup cars. They used to test cars all the time. They don't get to do that anymore, and there's no practice anymore. So getting out there and running a competition for 36 weeks, um, for 36 races running a full schedule, that is valuable. And, and, you know, even though you sit there and you say, sure, he's going to be running 25th every week, probably will be. But at least he gets to go out there, understand these racetracks. He's going to go to a lot of the same racetracks he's going to see uh, in the future. You know, understand these racetracks, understands what these cars do, and really just get him some some experience running against Cup guys. And uh, I, I think that's invaluable. I, I don't think you can put a, a a price tag on that for Anthony Alfredo. So it was an interesting hire. There's no question. Uh, I, I don't know if he's in this ride. If, if this ride comes available. In July and August, I'll be honest, I think they might, they might have gone a different direction. Um, but let's see how he does. I mean, he, he is a raw talent. I think a lot of people look at him as as a uh, as far as the social media and, you know, the outside of the race car. He's very, very good at that. So I think a lot of people look at that as well. Um, Philip, we'll talk about David Reagan here um, going to the 36 car. He's going to run the 36, but that's as an open team, and, and – I want to get both of your takes on this here quick, uh, the open teams here. And not everything is set in stone. We still have, like I said, 28 days until really these, car, these trucks will probably be loaded in about 25 days to come to Daytona. The entry list will probably be out in about three weeks. Um, so we get, get an idea of who's coming where as far as who's coming to the Daytona 500. But, you know, Timmy Hill, who is a driver going to try and make the Daytona 500 as an open team, came out and said, listen, there's, there could be – five or six cars going home from the day 2500 this year. That means 45 to 46 uh, teams coming down to Daytona. That means nine to 10 open teams. If, if, if everything Hill's hearing is correct. And right now we know that uh, Justin Haley's going to be down. It sounds like with call like racing, that sounds like an open team. Uh, we know David Reagan, as I mentioned, he's going to be down on the 36 as an open team. Ryan priest. There's still no question about whether or not, He's got a charter. It sounds like he's not going to have a charter coming into 2021. So he's going to probably run the entire season as an open team in a 37 for JTD Dari. That's something to keep an eye on, uh, considering that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. took the pole last year. Can we see an open team take the pole, a guy who's going to need to qualify in on his time? I think it's very possible. We'll keep touching on that a little bit later as we get closer to Daytona. Um, Johnny Sauter sounds like he might be in a number 44, being rumored to NY Racing Team. We'll touch on that a little bit as well. I talked about uh, NBA Motorsports with Timmy Hill, but Chad Fincham, he's going to have a teammate there as well. Uh, Noah Gregson is going to be in the 62. There's also talk that the Gaunt brothers might come down and run as an open team. So I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of open teams. We could see some really good cars here, really fast race cars, 
going home in the Daytona 500. It has the potential to be a very, very interesting qualifying session, uh, you know, about four weeks from tonight, and a very, very interesting 150 qualifying race there at Daytona on, on, on Thursday, Philip. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you're hearing as far as the open teams are concerned and uh, how exciting the qualifying and, and the open teams are going to be now that's announced that David Reagan is going to be uh, down in front, in front row motorsports' third car? I mean, it's nice to know that the qualifying session is going to actually mean something. It's kind of for years, for all the time, that for a long time in both of our fandoms, uh, Clayton and my, in, for myself, the qualifying really meant a lot, you know, and they put so much energy into it. And winning the pull for Daytona 500 still means something. Uh, Stenhouse Road winning the Daytona 500 poll for a good amount of the year. Uh, he ran well, I think, about the Talladega, one of the races, and maybe about three, four other times the whole year. But he won the poll for the Daytona 500 and kind of disappeared. But that was a great job by that organization to do that. Um, the notion of Ryan Priest, the way he runs on super speedways, being an open car, uh, it it kind of makes it interesting for the qualifying. I mean, personally, I figure the five car, they're going to give the five car the pole, and they're probably going to try to figure out a way to work with the 23 and make that look good too, you know, for box office. Uh, that would be something. But the open team situation makes qualifying a little more intriguing, and it also makes, for the first time in a few years, it makes the qualifying races worthwhile. Uh, that also used to mean something forever. The twin 125s, and then they became the 150 qualifiers. They meant something. Um, I think because it's the last year of this car, same way as the last year of the Gen 5 um, and the Gen 4s, you'd see more, more uh, turnout, even though the amount of money that's being given to the open teams is virtually nothing, which is a joke um, because of, you know, Rob Kaufman's BS. Uh, but honestly, I, I'm glad, you know, the Daytona 500 should have a, a deeper field. You should actually have to compete to make the Daytona 500. I understand that more than likely you're going to be bringing it home in a box, but at least before you bring your car home in a box, you actually ran and actually worked hard and did what you had to do. And there seems to be everybody across the map in terms of quality. Uh, it's a shame that Rick Ware cars are going to be hogging spots and, and Spire cars are going to be hogging spots. But, you know, at least the open, it, there's going to be a competitive open field. I mean, even Gagson's wasting a 62 car. He'll probably make it in because he'll have the big engine. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be something to talk about for sure in a few weeks' time. Yeah, and I'll tell you something that's really interesting that's uh, something we haven't really thought too much about here in the last couple of weeks because just because we're so used to Daytona being set up the way it has, at least Speed Weeks being set up the way it has, and that's qualifying being so close now to the race. It used to be when you sat on the Daytona 500, part of the allure of that was, well, you're on the pole for a whole week. 
you know, you see, yeah, yeah, you're on the Daytona 500 pole, but you do it Sunday. You get to kind of, you know, get the promotion on on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, you, you start, you know, your your one fifties uh, on a pole as well on Thursday. You know, of course, and then you go the whole week. But now you're getting going to qualify Wednesday night, and sure, probably it might help you in prime time a little bit to where, um, you know, you, you take the poll and they're probably going to do it at night qualifying. So you take the poll at night and, and you get a couple of days, but not nearly as long as it used to be. So that could take a little bit of the lure away, but Spencer, let, let's talk about this for a second. I kind of want to get your take on, on, on the open teams as well, but, you know, just to refresh the fans memories here on, on how, um, speed weeks work. And as far as the open teams are concerned, so, there's third right now, unless NASCAR makes some changes, and that's kind of where I want to go with Spencer with this. But right now, how it, how it's laid out is uh, 36 cars are locked into the Daytona 500, no matter what. There's not if you have a charter, you're automatically locked in, and there's 36 cars that have charters. Then there's four open spots that NASCAR allows open teams to make the Daytona to make uh, races. So that's positions 37, 38, 39, and 40. So there's four open teams. So, and the rest go home. So there's only 40. That's a maximum field. Uh, so how they do it for Daytona is they take two drivers in and qualifying that two open, the two fastest open teams in qualifying, they lock themselves in on qualifying. And then it's uh, the highest finishing open team in each duel will lock themselves into Daytona 500. And that's how they do it to get four extra spots. Now, there could be a little caveat here, Spencer, and I kind of want to go with your opinion on this. Philip touched on it a little bit earlier where he said open teams aren't going to get any menu, any financial backing from NASCAR this year, and that is true. We heard Carl Long say this on Sirius XM NASCAR radio about the early December, and he came out and said that I, I think it was $20,000 or $10,000 that NASCAR provided to each open team is no longer going to be around. Uh, so basically the only benefit for these open teams to run is based off the financial support they get from their sponsorship. And in Daytona, obviously, that's going to be a lot of money because everybody's got the eyes on Daytona. So I guess my question to you is in a long way, Spencer, could you, do you think NASCAR should take a look at it since we have so many entries this year for Daytona, take a look at it, maybe uh, modifying the rules for the Daytona 500? And since we have 43 pit stalls there already um, – Add 43 cars and say, you know what, we're going to let everybody have 43 cars. You know, make it four uh, or, or two cars in qualifying, and you take four or three cars in qualifying, and you take two in each duel or something to that nature. Do you think a modification should be made as far as the qualifying procedures are, are concerned, or do you think NASCAR should keep it the way it is and, uh, and and just do, you know, one in each duel and two from qualifying? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I kind of – agree with Philip. I think you should have to work um, you know, for your spot in the Daytona 500 case, you know, there's been times where we go to Daytona and everybody's locked in because not enough cars show up and so you know you're going to race on Sunday. Um, I like the way they do it. I, you know, I, I wouldn't care if they took away um, the two cars get locked in on qualifying and you just, you race in the duel. Uh, but I know that's that's kind of stupid you know because they're you know you should if you're fast enough and qualifying you should race so um really the way they got it i you know i would i'm content with it and i wouldn't care if they left it that way um you know they like you said they take the two fastest cars um in qualifying with single cars and then they take the two um 
you know, they take the one in each stool that has to race their way in. So normally there's about two cars in each stool, um, you know, that are racing for a spot and whoever finishes in front of the other, you know, gets that spot. Um, I, I like it the way it is. You need to race for it. You know, this, why should it be handed to you? I'm a, I'm, I'm not one of them guys that, uh, you know, you get a trophy for participation. Um, if you don't win, you don't get a trophy. Um, and in order to get a trophy, you need to, um, you know, earn your spot, you know, you know, that's the same as saying, you know, you know, practice makes perfect, you know, you, in order to win, you know, you've got to be perfect. And so, you know, if you're just, uh, if you just get your lock, you're locked in, you know, you know, you don't have a charter for a reason. Um, you know, obviously because of financial issues, you can't afford it. Um, and that's, you know, I'm not making fun of those teams, and that's, you know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Um, and NASCAR is not a cheap sport, so um, you just have to really, you know, race smart in your duel and stay out of trouble and don't be like Daniel Suarez last year. Um, you know, run in the back and just, you know, beat one car because nine times out of ten, the car you're beating, you know, he's running back there with you anyways. Um, nine times out of ten, you see him in a uh, three-car pack away from everybody, and that little three-car pack is just, you know, jockeying all over the place. Um, there at the end to see which one finished in front of the other. So I, I like the way it is. You need to race for it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's there the only I brought that up just because you know it would be I wouldn't be surprised just because there's no money aspect to it. There's really no hiccup to it. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks if you see something that allows a couple of these open teams to get in. Uh, not sure how how the chartered teams would totally feel about that, but if they're not getting any money, then who really cares? But uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how who, who's fast. Usually, with these uh, Daytona with the Daytona 500, we can kind of pick the guys. You know, look at them and say, "Oh, he's going to make it in on his qualifying speed. He's going to make it in on his qualifying speed. That guy's going to have to race his way in." Right now, and again, we're still a couple of weeks away from probably the, all these entries being finalized, and we know who's in what car. Um, so we're still not 100% sure as far as who's all the open teams are going to be down. But there's a lot of teams that you look at and say, "Oof." If they don't get a good lap, they're going to have to race their way in, and you don't want to be in a position to race your way in because, God forbid, something happens. Like we saw with Daniel Suarez last year, uh, I don't think it was his fault. Somebody bounced off the wall, I think, in front of him, if I remember correctly, and got missed the Daytona 500, and it really derailed their whole year. Uh, and that's obviously, you know, when you miss the Daytona 500 and your team that's trying to compete for points um, or, or run for a year, like a guy like Ryan Priest comes to mind, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be real tough. Real quick, Spencer, before we can move on, I just want to get your take. Do you think that allure of the Daytona 500, you live down there, you're, you're familiar with the area, you're familiar with the allure down there. Do you think the allure of the Daytona 500 pole, the, the prestige that goes with it, is going to be hampered a little bit this year because you're not on the pole for a week? Um, again, you know the, the, the vibe to that race. I'm not down, I usually don't get down there till the middle of the week anyway, but – do you think it's a big deal that somebody take, would take a poll on Sunday and have that whole week to sort of, you know, get pre, prestige for it, get celebrated for it? Or do you think moving it to Wednesday is not going to really be that big of a deal? No, it, it, it stinks. And I tell you why. When you win the poll for the Daytona 500, um, you know, like you said, I think they do it on that Sunday and you race the next Sunday. It's a whole week. You know, when you win the poll of the Daytona 500, you fly out to New York and you do, um, you know, you know, and, you do all these TV shows, you know, for Good Morning America and, you know, all them uh, shows, you know, with the famous, I don't know their names, um, you know, for instance, like you get on the Steve Harvey show, you do shows like that. 
um, you know, it's a big deal. You know, when you know when they're on TV and they're talking to a driver. I remember last year or a couple of years ago, they were like, um, they were talking to a driver, and they're like, one thing your owner don't have is a Daytona 500 pole trophy. And so it's a big deal. You want to sit on the pole for the Daytona 500. It's the biggest race. You know, like you said, I live down here, and, um, you know, it's it's a big deal. You know, you go on victory lane, you take pictures, you hold the trophy. Um, even sitting on the front row is a big deal because they both go into victory lane and take pictures with their sponsor hats and the trophy. And, um, you know, if you get a trophy for second-place pole, you know, it's huge. Um, so, you know, and plus you know you're – you're going to start on the front row. The only row that is officially locked in qualifying is the front. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the one-two. So I think it's uh, it, it puts a little bit of a damper on the excitement because you want to be in Daytona um, strutting your stuff, saying I'm on the pole for the Daytona 500, and I'm going to the back in dual one or dual two, whatever you're racing in, and uh, I'm going to start on the pole Sunday and have a great race, hopefully. So it does kind of stink. You know, you qualify Wednesday, and, you know, you're du- you do your duels on – thursday you know so you don't you want to sit there and soak that in and now they're not going to have time but regardless if you win the poll for the daytona 500 you're going to get a trophy and it's going to go in the trophy case so these team owners and these drivers you know that's you know i think it's a very prestigious uh poll award it's a it's a it's a big trophy that a lot of the owners want in the trophy case yeah, it's going to be interesting. Again, and I don't want to get too far into it because we'll have a couple of weeks here and we'll really, really preview it. But a guy I'm looking at is Priest because he's going to need it to qualify in on his time. His teammates sat on the pole last year. They might trim that 37 out a little bit to get him on the pole and to get him into the race. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, a couple of little tidbits here moving forward. Uh, NY Racing, if you missed it, uh, I talked about it a little earlier on the show. We won't it hasn't officially been announced, and we'll discuss it more here in the coming weeks as it is officially announced. But NY Racing, it sounds like that team, if you remember correctly, that team ran a few years ago. John Cohen's the owner. It was a number 44 car. They've run here and there the last five or so years. sounds like they're going to plan a full schedule here as an open team in 2021. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. Maybe they're getting older cars, and if they plan on running at all in 2022 when that new car comes. But just a little note I wanted to fill everybody in on. Philip, I'm going to go to you on this next one. Uh, very interesting news out of the Xfinity Series this week with Ryan Sieg. Uh, he's been a Chevrolet for really forever in the Xfinity Series. He ran trucks before that, and there were Chevrolets there. It is now announced uh, that, that Ryan Sieg will move to Ford in 2021. It'll be the third three full-time teams for Ford next season. He's got some Stuart Haas racing cars. They're going to use the Stuart Haas racing pit crew as well over there on that 39th car. He had a really good year last year. Um, it sounds like they're going to really have uh, take a take a shot at trying to win a championship. But the broader picture here, what does this mean for Sieg, in your opinion? And why do you think Ford decided to do this? It's a very curious move, and and I'll discuss a little bit more about what what sort of the ramifications might be for that. But what are your thoughts on on Sieg moving to Ford and the big picture over there uh, for the Xfinity Series here in 2021? Well, I like it. I mean, I was it was uh, also a surprise, but it's a good thing because the way Ryan Sieg ran last year with Cowboy Starlin, that whole entire deal, they they ran really well relative to their equipment, the amount of people they have, and they're running with RCR old RCR hand me downs. Now you're running with Stuart Haas equipment, 
the kind of stuff that last year with Chase Briscoe won nine races, and if they were at probably any other racetrack other than Phoenix, they would have probably had a chance to win that championship. I mean, the year, the last couple of years before that, you had Cold Custard going and winning races. So, on the one hand, Ryan Seed wants to win finally in the Xfinity Series after all these years. I think he puts himself right smack dab in the conversation, not only to win, but to be a a good, uh, to go in advance, not, not only in the playoffs, but to be a factor. And Austin Sindrick's going to be a favorite for sure because he's defending series champion. They have all that momentum. But, you know, Riley Herbst, we don't know what he really is going to be. Um, I kind of have a feeling what he's going to be. So Ford kind of wanted to hedge with a veteran driver, I guess. I think they also see a a possibility with growth there since Ryan Sieg has been taking this family organization from trucks to now Xfinity. Maybe they're looking at Ford. Ford is looking at them as an opportunity to move up for another team to go and open up their expand their their breath or whatever their reach so that they have an um, up-and-coming organization you have the roush fenways of the world that are basically tanking you have front row who knows where they're going to go they could be in play for other manufacturers another oem comes in they're looking at a small time team to build with them and you know ryan sieg who's a who's now a veteran at this point many years in the sport and maybe he's trying to angle to possibly get some cup uh, opportunities too. And uh, I, I think it, it's it's a win-win for all parties, personally, to me. And it also makes Ryan Sieg a factor for this championship when you consider where he was equipment-wise last year and he made the 12. And I don't – I mean, he, he had a chance or made the round eight. I, I think he made the round eight. I don't remember off the top. But um, – He's definitely a factor, and he's a sleeper for sure. Um, and it also gives help to the Ford camp because they only had two drive When they go to these plate races and they only have two cars now, at least they have three. So um, that'll be something as well. But uh, it'll be – it's a good good news and good thing to see for the sport, I think, that, to be able to have more cars than just mostly Chevy a few Toyotas and like three, two Fords will be three Fords. Yeah. I'll tell you, it was a move that um, I think it surprised a lot of people. There's no question about that. Uh, there's a lot for me to discuss this. And I'll tell you, I'm not really sure a hundred percent of why they decided to go with Ryan Priest. My only thought process maybe is with, with this is maybe they felt um, like, Penske might be moving entirely out of the series here in 2022, and they wanted to keep their presence in the Xfinity series because they want to keep some stuff open. Maybe when Anthony Alfredo, they feel like if they get John Hunter checked again, where Anthony leaves for another ride, they can put Ryan Sieg in that 38 car and they can kind of have an equal ground there. But it was sort of a very curious move. Spencer, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, this is a guy who He's been in NASCAR running full time, and, and if you include trucks and Xfinity, he's been running full time in the truck in, in NASCAR since 2010. 
So it's been uh, over 11 years he's been full-time. And he's run Chevrolets pretty much the entire time. Uh, and, you know, he's run some totals in the in Cup Series for the limited Cup starts he has. But it was a shock that you see a guy who's sort of a loyal Chevy guy to get to come here and, and switch to Ford. What were your thoughts on, on Ryan C. going to Ford, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, I guess he thought Chevy wasn't the option anymore, and I thought he had a fantastic year. You know, he started off really strong, and then he kind of, you know, fell off um, fell off the wagon a little bit. And, you know, that race at Las Vegas, I mean, he led – I thought he was going to win. Um, I think he ran second or third. Uh, he led laps that race. And, you know, we've seen other big teams do it. Not that Ryan Sieg's a big team, but, you know, they've gotten really good and, um, you know, look when Stuart Haas made the change to Ford, they took off, they won races and they're still winning tons of races with it. So maybe, you know, that jump to a different manufacturer can change that team. Um, Ford might give them a little bit more backing than what Chevy's doing. Um, we don't know. Um, we're not the ones sitting at the offices of those, uh, manufacturers and OEMs and, um, the race teams. So, you know, if, you know, if it's going to, you know, and plus what really stinks is it's early. It's, you know, it's almost go time. And, you know, now they have to get all these cars ready. Um, and maybe this is something they've had planned earlier and they're already building on these cars and doing this and they're just now announcing it. But if they haven't, they better get going because, um, you know, we're, what, a month um, away, right about a month away mm-hmm. before we go racing. So he's got a lot – they got a lot of work to do. But um, maybe this is – maybe they – like I said, they're getting more backing and they see that this is um, good. You know, maybe Ford was like, hey, we'll give you some money if you drive Ford. Like you said, put him over at front row and maybe get him in the cup car. Sieg reminds me of Ross a little bit. He's one of those guys that just stayed in lower kind of junky equipment. Um, and then he finally, he had a breakout year. And I think this was Sieg's breakout year. Um, had a really good year, was in the playoffs. And he came back and ran decent in the playoffs um, after he struggled midseason. So, and then, you know, who knows? I mean, look at Ross. He's in a top, he's in a top team now. Well, decent team in the cup series and um, a team that is used to going to victory lane with Kyle Larson. And this could be um, Sieg's break to go to the cup series. And um, he's done a tremendous job of bringing guys over with that team. You know, Myatt Snyder ran with him for a little bit and um, he's grown that team, those family business um, from where they were. So, uh, I think, uh, you know, I was a Chevy guy, and I bought a Ford this year. So, who knows? Maybe Ford's uh, just the way to go. Well, it's interesting because, uh, and I know I, I say that a lot, but there, I always talk about ramifications. And, and what I meant by that earlier was what Ford, Ford's definitely putting some money in there. There's no question there. Also, I'm sure giving him some excellent engines, probably a better engine package than he could ever even dream of getting from RCR, maybe ECR, I should say maybe even on a, a much affo- much more affordable price. But the ramifications, I think, trickle down to the truck series. And um, you before I, I move to that, uh, Spencer, you talked about them needing, only having a month to Daytona. I heard rumblings that Chris Knight said on a podcast a few weeks prior, you know, about three weeks ago, that there was another team in the Xfinity Series going to move to Ford. And uh, so I, I'm sure the team knew. I'm sure the team has, has cars already worked out and everything like that. But – uh, the ramifications for structure is also some rumors going on. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I, I've heard it other places as well. So I, I think this has got some some legs, and I wouldn't uh, put it on the show here 
and, and be so confident about it if I didn't hear it in other places, if I didn't have some legs. But uh, there's rumblings out there that Thor Sport Racing, which has been forward the last two or three years, is going to move back to Toyota in 2021. And, you know, Thor Sport, if you remember, they had a four-truck operation in the truck series with uh, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, Brennan Sanger, and Johnny Sauter, who drove the 13 car, the 13 truck the last couple of years for uh, for Thor Sport Racing. So that that makes me start to wonder, is it worth it for them to go to the Xfinity Series if it costs them Thor Sport Racing? Now, that's pure speculation on my part as far as why Thor Sport has decided to do this. And we don't even know for sure if they have. They haven't announced anything yet, but signs are pointing towards Thor Sport moving to Toyota in 2021. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of is a, is a pivot here, Philip, to where they really don't put a lot of money in. And I know DGR, David Gilliland Racing, is still going to be probably the prominent Ford team. they got Haley Deegan there. they got Todd Gilliland uh, with front row. They're gonna tail, they have Tanner Gray as well running full-time for, in the Fords next year. But their Ford options in the truck series are very limited now. And they only got three Xfinity Series cars. Kind of a curious move if if, if Thor Sport decides, you know what, we're going back to Toyota um, after spending a couple of years over at Ford. Kind of a curious move to, to go to see if that was the case. What are your thoughts on, on potentially uh, Thor Sport Racing moving to Toyota and, and the ramifications of, of seeing going to Ford? Well, I, I mean, we're going to talk about it here shortly in regards to that uh, topic and the the common the the common engine uh, sealed engine there uh, when it comes to the truck series and it's really they're all running the Ilmore 396 and the fact is if there's one team that's probably been burned more by the Ilmore 396 than any other it's probably Thor Sport. Um, the engine issues that they've had that have eliminated them out of the playoffs. Uh, Johnny Sauter, um, other than being a dick, also rage quitting and also engine problems. Uh, you know, all these different things that have happened. They probably go back to Toyota. They've been there. I think Crafton, uh, Crafton's first two titles were in Toyotas and, uh, they they don't mind the notion of running the, uh, I guess the TRD engine. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they'll go and be a. And it also for Toyota's sake, it also gives them more trucks, uh, for their you know their program, which they go and develop drivers and then run them out the door and give them to other people. Uh, Door Sport having four trucks out there. You know, Crafton's never going to leave. You know, Endfinger is basically there. Uh, ben Rhodes brings checks. Uh, I I guess Sauter the and Sauter's friends with the the Thorsons or something because uh, it isn't because of his personality. I'll tell you that. But um, I mean, it, for, for I honestly think it's a positive. For the Xfinity series, I think the point you brought up about Penske, because now that, you know, Cindric's going to get moved up to Cup, they don't have to go and theoretically invest in the Xfinity program. Uh, they have a good, really good Xfinity program. Uh, and, uh, you know, they have their, their stuff spread out in so many different areas. Uh, you know, who knows what they're going to do. Um, having another four teams a good thing. 
of building a team to build with is also a good thing because you don't know what Stuart Haas is going to do with their program either. Um, in in because they got both of their guys up there. Right, right. Riley yep. Herbst, they ain't going anywhere. So anytime soon. So I mean, we will see. Um, I, I think there's more to it than just you know Dorsport going and moving back to Toria. I think it's more about the common engine in the sense of why to- they're going back to Toyota. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. It, it, as long as they're still in the sport and they're not leaving, like Dodge had to leave. You know, I think it's okay. Whatever you do with bodies doesn't really matter, per se. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point with the Elmore engines, and that's where I want to go to finish up the show, uh, a discussion about that quick. Uh, but as far as Truck Series is concerned in Thor Sport and Toyota, think about what Toyota did last year. They did not have a very good – aside from, from the 16 truck uh, – at Hattori, they did not have a very good year last year. Kyle Busch really struggled, and there was a lot of turnover at Kyle Busch Motorsports. If you've missed it, it was actually announced on Series 6 on NASCAR Radio a few weeks ago. Paul Andrews is going to be the, the competition director at Kyle Busch Motorsports. He moves up from the ARCA Series. Kyle Busch Motorsports has a new couple of new crew chiefs. They brought Eric Phillips back from Denny Hamlin's Cup team to put him in there. Uh, they've also got a, new, a couple of new crew chiefs. Marty Lindley's in there. Danny Stockman. They've, they've you know, John Hunter Nemechek, they they are committed to making Cobbush Motorsports a contender and a winner again in the truck series. And what Cobbush Motorsports, the advantage they had over the rest of the field in the truck series, you know, two or three years ago was money. And I hate to, to, to make it that simple. And what I mean by that is they had good en- a great engine program from TRD and Toyota. And they could out-horsepower anybody. And I've talked about this. That is a very underrated factor in NASCAR racing, in my opinion, is, is the horsepower. You know, I, I always felt like the beginning of the end of Robert Yates Racing was when they merged their engine program with Roush Yates, because, with, with Jack Roush, because they had, when they had Robert Yates and Doug Yates making their engines, Robert Yates Racing had the an advantage over everybody in the garage area because they had the best motors. And when they combined that, it lost their advantage. And they had to really work on the handling of the race cars, how they build these race cars, and they could work completely behind on that. And once they gave their engines away, they completely lost that, and it was over for them. They, were never, they never really got competitive again. And with, the, with this Elmore engine in the truck series, Cobbler's Motorsports lost one of their biggest advantages, pure horsepower. And now they have to, to look at it and say, well, we can't really overspend and, and build. we could build a new engine, but it's going to cost us way more money to do that. Um, let's just you know, get more trucks in here that can help us figure out the handling of these trucks and make us more competitive as a whole. Because if you have eight trucks instead of four, there could be some R&D going on in certain trucks. You have a little bit more to play with. So uh, I think that's a major factor here where maybe Toyota sits there and says, we want to get as many trucks in here as possible. We're committed to making the truck series winnable again. We want to get the tr- these guys winning in trucks again. I think that's a major factor in this, but something to keep an eye on. So let's talk about the Elmore engines. I'm going to start with Spen- oh, Spencer, then go to Philip here. Elmore engines, it's a very interesting topic because when they originally came out, I was kind of against them because they sat there and said, 
Uh, do we really want a sport that's going to have every uh, – a series that's going to have every single truck basically running the same engine? And that's really what's happening. But what the – what has happened now is, Spencer, there's a ton of new truck series teams. There's a ton of truck series teams here for 2021. The truck series has never been more healthy. Um, what are your thoughts on the, on, the, on the spec engine? Do you like it? Do you think it's something that should potentially move to the Cup Series uh, down the road if it's successful in trucks? Do you think it's something that should be moved up to the Xfinity Series and eventually move to, to, to Cup? What are your thoughts, Spencer, on the spec engine in a truck series? I don't think it should be done in any series. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure the only teams that are going to really enjoy this is the smaller teams. They'll have a little bit of an advantage on the bigger teams. Um, but I, you know, I, you know, you guys call me a newer style fan. Um, but I like the old school ways. I like it. You show up at your stuff and you run for that checkered flag and you run for the money and the trophy. And if you didn't outbeat that car, well, tough luck. Try, you know, try harder next week, you know, um, I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of that. I, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, this sport is, um, the direction they're going is just, I'm not a fan of it all. And, you know, it's, you kind of, to be for real, you kind of, you, you, you sit there and you lose a little interest in it a little bit. You're like, man, why are they doing this? And, um, you know, I, I like that old school stuff, you know, you know, if you're in the 10 car and I'm in the 62 car, well, you know, you need your 10 group needs to come try to outbeat my 62 car and, you know, find, find some strategies that will beat me. Um, that's the way I like it. You know, you should show up to the racetrack with your own stuff, your own engine. You know, yes, there has to be rules. You know, you can't, um, you know what I'm saying? There has to be a rule book and you apply within them rules. But basically, you know, taking a motor from a wood box and inserting it into your car and everybody runs the same engine, I'm not a, I'm a big fan of that. I think they need to stay away from that. And um, car is doing a lot of stuff and going in the wrong direction, if you ask me, with more than just this freight engine. Yeah, it's interesting because I think it really has helped the truck series. And and I know the trucks, everybody looks at it and says, well, that's where we should start. That's where everybody should start. That's where it should be a cost-saving uh, series. You know, trucks is, or cup is, is the big boys, and, it, and it's completely different. But there's a lot of factors in this as well. Keep in mind that the RTA is pretty much controlled by the bigger teams. I mean, sure, there's JTG in it. You know, I don't know if Front Row's in it. And they, they were out a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if they're in it. But for the majority, you have the Hendricks, the Childresses, the Penskys, the Stuart Haas, the Roushes, those guys in the RTA. And that's really only Cup, the Cup Series thing. You know, and – Ford right now, for example, provides all the engines for the four teams. Roush Yates, I should say, provides all the engines for the four teams. So Roush Yates and Jack Roush, they make money off of every four team in their field. Chevrolet, Hendrick provides a lot of engines in the field. Childress provides a lot of engines in the field, especially for the smaller teams. Toyota's got their own engine program in the Cup Series. So what I'm getting at is those teams that benefit from financially from the engine programs – if we move a great engine to a great engine system in a Cup Series, which is why I think it's never going to happen, those big teams are going to lose a lot of what they earn. A lot of they earn a lot of a lot of money off those engines. So you're going to shut that all those engines that all those engine departments down and, and use an Elmore engine. 
That's not going to happen. I, I just don't see it happening in the Cup Series. Not sure I want to see it in the Cup Series, but it is, it is an interesting discussion because this was something that, when you look at it, it's a cost-saving measure that's seemed to finally work. I'm not sure the, uh, you know, whatever you call that body, it's escaping me right now, but basically what the Xfinity Series has with that composite body right now, um, I'm not sure that's done a whole lot to the Xfinity Series, Philip, but I know the way evidence is pointing towards, you know, everybody looked at the Truck Series a few years ago and said, if things don't change there, there's not going to be a Truck Series. Well, it's very, very healthy. We could have 40, 45 trucks now for Daytona, and there's a lot of full-time teams. It's going to be a wild, wild uh, truck series and, and a lot of fun. And I think the crate engines is the reason for that. So it's a cost-saving measure that I'm not sure could work in the Cup Series. But what are your thoughts, Philip? Do you think that's something that will ever happen eventually, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, even 15 years down the road? Because this sport changes a lot. Do you think it's something that can change moving forward? What are your thoughts? Uh I mean, I guess to to be completely frank, Lane, we're we're gonna have a spec car uh, here in 2022 and the Cup Series for all intents and purposes. Minus, I mean, we've been in that spot basically since 2007 in some way, shape, or form, minus the engine and a couple other things uh, with the Gen 5, and now we're gonna be in the Gen 7 car next year in the Cup Series. So is it possible that we could end up having a, a a crate engine in the Cup Series if they got rid of the – if the RTA didn't exist and they wanted to actually have deeper fields, that might be a thing. Uh, truck Series, to me, they – between ARCA, the trucks, they might have to figure out a way to combine them and make them a package so that they run shorter tracks and occasionally run bigger tracks. The reason both of those series existed that way years ago, there's bigger questions, bigger discussions than just the engine situation. Um, I mean, Mike Helton, Ilmore, you know, Roger Penske and Mario Willen and uh, uh, I forget the, the more part in Ilmore. Um, the, they, they're making a crap ton of money, uh, with some of these things, the composite bodies, the, the crate engines. I, I, I honestly think the truck series, the product on the truck series with the engines, it's pretty weak. I liked it when they had more motor. Um, it, but I do understand in the fact of having a random cup motor, to go and run in the truck series, it doesn't make sense when you consider the purses they have are abysmal. Um, you know, the big teams are going to always be the big teams no matter what, whether you have a crate engine or not. Um, having a second, like the Nice Motorsports of the world and that team, you know, the, the Gilliland Racing team, those teams which are the next tier, that those are where this kind of makes a difference. Um, I mean, I don't know how, I, I don't, I, I guess I didn't see, I don't see the truck series as healthy as you see it, Clayton, or whatever. I, I just don't see it um, because of a lot of things. But, you know, if they're going to go, I don't think it's ever going to happen in Cup because there's no way you're going to have an OEM say, oh, yeah, sure. 
I'm going to go and have a crate engine in my Ford Mustang or in my Chevy Camaro or Toyota Camry. It make it or super eventually probably. I don't see that ever happening, but um, I do see a possibility since they already have composite bodies in the Xfinity series. I do see a notion of that happening there um, because of cost. Um, I don't think it does cost saving personally, but it seems to help. So, I mean, there's going to be other cost containment things coming along the pike. I feel like the truck series is going to go back more to the halftime break uh, situation. If they move away from the crappy cookie cutter deal and run more short tracks, they probably go and run a double dip with ARCA and they go and do halftime breaks again. Um, that would probably be fine. Um, and it goes back to the or, or origins of the truck series when it was very healthy and it was more run what you brung than what it has become. But um, I guess I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens after Daytona. That's what I'll say. We'll see what happens after Daytona, how many people show up well, at, at the next race. Well, let me just let me just point towards the numbers quick, and then, you know, we can end this discussion. But as far as championship caliber trucks next year, if you want to talk about trucks that have a chance to make the playoffs, uh, you know, they expanded the field to 12 last year, which I didn't – or 10 last year, which I didn't care for at all. But right now, if you do just just these teams in the truck series, GMS Racing, Kyle Busch Motorsports, Thor Sport, DGR Racing, or David Gilliland Racing, Hattori, McNally, um, and front, front Row, and Nice Motorsports, and Freeman Hall, Friesen Hall, there's 19 teams. 19 teams that compete for those 10 spots. Uh, that is a very very healthy series in my opinion. It's gonna be it's gonna be there's gonna be some big teams you're gonna be looking at going, wow. Uh and that doesn't include, you know, some of the other teams that have this series expanded to. We know Rackley War is gonna come out with a team, uh Rackley War with his Rackley Roofing owner. Um he's gonna be part of that. Uh so it doesn't include Haley Deegan who um I didn't include in there because she's gonna be a rookie driver. It doesn't include Timmy Hill's team. Uh so there's a lot of a different you know, factors in that. It doesn't include Austin Wayne Self, which is going to run full-time. There's a lot of different factors. There's no question about it. But I think the trucks are healthier than they were five years ago, three years ago, I should say. And I think the crate engines have a lot to do with that. Um, but, again, it's something I don't ever want to see in, in Cup because, like you said, Philip, you hit the nail on the head when you said we're going to have pretty much a crate race car, a, a common race car, a common template race car next season in 2022. There's no question. That's what we're going to have. It's a car that everybody, you know, it's pretty much nobody's going to build race cars anymore. They just come in a box, and they're going to put them together. That's pretty much it. And uh, so do we really want the cars to be the same and the engines to be the same? I don't think that's a good thing at all. Um, so, and that's kind of why I wanted to, to, to point to it is because just because it's working in the truck series doesn't mean it's something we should institute into the trucks, into the cup series. Uh, I think it's good for the truck series. I think it should stay in the truck series, and it's something that, just because again it happens in one series doesn't mean it's going to happen uh, in, in, in it should happen in the cup. But I want to thank everybody for listening. We have some some great shows coming up here to, uh, talking circles uh, if everything goes according to plan here. So stay tuned for those here in the coming weeks. We're 28 days away from starting speed weeks, 
We can't wait for that. Great job, as always, by Spencer Cowan and uh, Philip Matthew as we end our first show here tonight on Talking Circles. If you like what you, uh, of 2021, if you like what you heard and you like what uh, everything about this show, please you know like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We're also you can find us pretty much where everywhere where podcasts are found. Uh, we're on Apple, we're Apple Podcasts, we're on uh, Spotify, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, Radio.com, pretty much everywhere you 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 know listen to your audio and, and your radio shows, we're pretty much there. So uh, be sure to, to follow along here and don't miss anything from Talking Circles all year long. Good night, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.